Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about No fun. The Jen Kirkman podcast episode. I don't know. Three fifty one. So let's get right. I. My mom talked to my mom yesterday, and you know I'm teaching these anxiety classes. I keep saying anxiety classes. I'm teaching these relaxation classes on Zoom because I'm this long time anxiety haver, and it's my quarantine pandemic you know how I give back although I charge for the class so am I giving back but I give a percentage away to the anxiety and depression association of America and I'm not doing zoom shows so that's kind of what I do anyway so Giselle Bunchen tweets about breathing okay or she doesn't even tweet it's not okay no this is how my mom does not understand Twitter Giselle Bunchen does some interview. Let's just say it's in Style Magazine. And she says something along the lines of, I've learned that I just have to breathe and I can get through anything. Something like that. And she's not wrong. That is the message of most ancient traditions of Meditation, religion, you know, our breath is everything. And so I happened to be, so InStyle Magazine tweets that with a pull quote, you know, it just says, we interviewed Giselle Bunchen and quote, I just breathe and bling, bling, bling. 
So I retweeted that and did a quote tweet, which I mean, I know you guys understand what I'm saying, but my mom that already doesn't know what a quote tweet is or she just sees all of this together. So I quote tweet that and I just happened to be teaching an anxiety, I mean, a relaxation class on Zoom a few days later. And I was looking for a fun way to advertise it on Twitter. So I said, this will be perfect. So I quote tweeted the in-style tweet. And I said, Giselle's right. Breathing is everything. But what if you're one of those people who when they're anxious, they feel like they can't get a deep breath and this advice makes no sense to them. Come to my class. I'll explain it all. You know, something like that, but shorter. And it wasn't a diss on Giselle. I wasn't saying, oh, yeah, easy for nothing like that. I was just adding on because I know for me, when I started doing, um, I'll give you an example. When I, when I was an acting student at college, we would do a ton of Alexander technique and total lots of relaxation stuff as acting warm-ups so that you can kind of get out of your body and inhabit a character. And I was having panic attacks in class because I don't know why. I, my panic disorder started really ramping up. And, you know, it, it was environmental as well in, in the sense of one of our, one of my acting classes was on the 10th floor of this very corporate building. And the building just it made me feel panic. I didn't like being on high floors in buildings. But my, pan, my, my acting class that I had in this theater, I never had panic attacks in it. So it was just kind of a building thing. And I didn't know how to control or work with my anxiety or my panic once in that building. So I would just white knuckle it. So I'd be sitting there taking shallow breaths because I felt like I didn't have enough air. And my teacher has no idea that I'm in the middle of a panic attack and pretty much an anxiety state that's going to last an hour. And she's telling everyone deep breaths. And that's making me more anxious because I cannot get a deep breath. And it makes me feel separate than others. A lot of anxiety is really negative self-talk because what happens when we have it and we don't tell anyone is that we're keeping a secret. We're hiding something. That does a number to our self-esteem because then everyone else becomes other and everyone else becomes normal and something's wrong with us and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so the panic would get worse. I couldn't breathe. Nobody knew what was happening. There was no internet. I couldn't Google what is this, you know? So I thought a really good angle for one of my classes would be if anyone else out there feels that accessing a deep breath is impossible, here's why. Here's what you're doing to actually exacerbate it. Here's what you can do to fix it. So my mom, I'm talking to her yesterday. Now that tweet had been up for about a week. And she's like, how did your relaxation class go today? And I said, good. Now how many people are in there? I go, you know, there's been one class, 95 people signed up. Oh my God. I said, usually 60 people actually show up. Oh my, that is outstanding. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh, that is a lot of people. And you know, for something like this, it really is. My Zoom account only allows 100 
meeting members. So that's why I cut it off at 100. But it hasn't become a problem to where, oh my God, 500 people want this class. So once that happens, I'll upgrade my account. But my mom said, now I saw what Giselle Bunchen said to you. I go, what? <laughs> I don't even remember the tweet or that it was her. I go, I don't think Giselle Bunchen said anything to me. Oh, she did. It was nasty. It was on Twitter. And she said something like, well, I can breathe. Well, I, and I go, oh my God, mom, 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 mom. And I just explained to her everything I've explained to you guys. And I think I lost her at quote tweet. And I said, mom, she said this in an interview months ago. She doesn't know I exist. Well, she might have seen you tweet. I go, no, the order of events. First of all, she didn't tweet. I don't even know if she has a Twitter. I don't care. I said, she said something in an interview. The magazine tweeted the quote. Could have been from 10 years ago. I don't know. And then I quote tweeted it. Used it as an advertising tool. And she said, oh, okay. Well, I was, you know, I didn't want to call you and bother you and make you more upset. But I read it and I said, I'm real mad at her. And, you know, it wasn't nice. And I said, I know, but mom, you got to let it go because it didn't happen. <laughs> the thing you're continually being upset about isn't real. Okay. Well, I believe you as long as she didn't, but I don't like her anyway. So there you go. Um, oh my God. I just started talking. I didn't even give the intro to this podcast. I did that on purpose. Come on. What is this podcast? Well, I'm Jen Kirkman. I'm a comedian. I have two comedy specials streaming now on Netflix. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living. If you want to get some uh, planned jokes, you go to those and you laugh your face off. Now, this podcast is a little different. This is uh, where I go to just chat, tell you about what's going on in my life, in my world, in my head. I do it every week, once a week. It's a solo podcast. It's where I can show another side of myself unscripted, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, always honest and real. And again, there is a Patreon version of this. So if you go to patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman for just $5 a month, you get the video version of this. You get to see me in my home. And uh, on the video version, there is like a bonus 10 to 20 minutes that you don't see. So there are, I've already been talking to the Patreons for 20 minutes, before I hit record on the audio version. And then, as a $5 subscriber, you also get one 20-minute bonus audio episode at the beginning of the month where I talk about something in pop culture. And then the prices go up from there. 10, 15, 20, 25. The more you pay, the more 20-minute bonuses you get. Or you also get extra one-hour bonus a month. And then there's some merchandise as well. And as always, I interact on Patreon. I throw up extras all the time. And there you go. A lot of people are asking me, what? if you do a Zoom show, I'll totally support it. I don't want to do comedy over Zoom. It doesn't please me. And you know, it's the same amount of work rounding up people to buy tickets. So I highly recommend joining the Patreon. It is my job during this quarantine time. I will not be on the road. The earliest will be May 2021. That is my first booked show. And there is a big chance if this old virus ain't wrangled that I will move it. So please help me pay my bills. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And uh, 
I did just add um, eight relaxation classes to my, uh, I don't know what I'm saying, Sundays in September, I'm, I'm teaching eight relaxation classes. You can go to jenkirkman.com and click Anxiety Bites and you will see all the classes on sale. Or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash jenkirkman and that's the site that you buy the Zoom uh, tickets for class through. So either way, you'll get there. And I guess that's it. So that's what this podcast is. This week I've, oh, I've got so much to talk about. I'm not even going to tell you up front because who knows what I'm going to get to and what I'm not going to get to. But there we go. So yeah, so it's my birthday. And and by the time this airs, this episode, it'll be way past my birthday because I don't think this is going to go up in time. But, so yeah, I'm turning 46, which is really a mind fuck. You know, 45, my 40s haven't been good. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with being 40. The My 40 through 44 was 40. You know what's interesting? I'll tell you about my 40s. I turned 40 on August 28th. Uh, 2014 and I was sad because you know my my ex that we broke up the day after Christmas on 2016 my ex we had broken up once before in 2014 so that year was very sad for me but that year I dated a lot of people tried to get over him didn't really work and then you know we got back together a year later but after we broke up in 2016, I took like two years off for myself. And that journey was incredible. So it was so much self-discovery and so much just spirituality and learning psychological things and doing the deep work. And I've never felt more, I don't know, enlightened about myself. And truly happy from that deep place where you don't need external things to make you happy. So that's something that happened in my 40s. I also got to tape both of my Netflix specials in my 40s. I got to release a second book in my 40s. It didn't sell well, so that was kind of a disappointment. But there was hope at least. And it was fun to go on a book tour and do all the press. I was at my goal weight in my 40s, early 40s. Now, not so much. We'll talk. We'll talk about that getting in uh, later. And, you know, I, fuck, I went to Australia three times by myself. I got to go to Italy by myself, Sweden, Ireland, London a million times. Sold a pilot to the BBC. It didn't get made. Sold a show with my friend Dan to ABC, sold a, a show to ABC about my breakup. And when I say sold a show, what it means I got paid to write a pilot script, but nothing ever got made. But um, th these are big accomplishments. My early 40s was rocking. Then I got hired on Mrs. Maisel. And then, but, but while I was on Maisel, I was, you know, doing that deep work, kind of disconnected from my home base here in LA, living in New York, going through the breakup. It was nasty. 
But it was like the 40s was full of extreme highs and extreme lows happening all at once. And so I had to keep a neutral inside in order to weather it. And so when I look back in my 40s, I go, fuck yeah. Where my 40s just seemed to stall, where it feels like constipation, where it feels like Elvis's autopsy. That's a new expression I've been saying to my therapist. This is like Elvis's autopsy. And she's like, what? And I'm like, he had so much impacted shit in his colon when he died. He basically died trying to poop. He died on the toilet. He was trying to, he was pushing out a poop. And I hate poop talk. But he was really constipated from all of those pills, you know, all of the opiates. And also the way that he ate. And so he had a heart attack. And just that feeling of being that impacted, like if you've ever been severely constipated. I feel like my life has been completely constipated. And, and you know, it's like I quit the job on Maisel and then I went on the road and I was like, oh, I don't love the road this much and not as many people are coming. Oh, fuck. Okay, regroup. And so, let's see, so 44 and 45, 2018, 2019, were just like the most boring years of my life. And not not totally in that good way where it's like there was no drama. There was a lot of stress. I, everything just stopped. I couldn't get a special. Netflix said no. Not only did they say no, it was... So many times, no. We tried from every angle, me and my team of fancy people. How about a 20-minute special? How about, how about, how about, how about, how about, how about? They wouldn't even come see me perform my new material, which, by the way, my other two specials, they never had to approve my material. I was one of the first 17 specials on Netflix. My first one did so well that they gave me a Netflix special within 24 hours. Said, yeah, go do another one. And here's a little bit more money for that one. And then it just stopped. Now, Netflix went under new management in terms of who books the comedy stuff. And I already knew, like, this doesn't bode well for me because I know the people. And they're fine people, but they're just not fans of mine. And when they worked at other networks, I did not get to do specials on those other networks. So it's like, I'm not shocked And so, you know, all these other streaming networks said no. And I was like, what's happening? Like, it just, you know, and they came to see me. Sold out shows. Audiences going crazy. And they were like, nah. And I was like, what? I had a really good book idea about the two years that I didn't date. And it was almost like a fun guide to, like, being alone with yourself. Which, oh, my God, if someone had bought it, it would have come out during the pandemic when people are being forced to kind of not date. Anyway, that would have been great. But all the book publishing companies said to my fancy book agent, no, because her second book didn't sell as well. It was all this like finding out that my second Netflix special didn't do well. So they don't want to give me a third, which I don't, they don't release their ratings. So I don't even know if I believe that. Like has someone whose specials didn't do as well as mine, are they getting stuff? Like and then the second book. Now, none of this is complaining. I'm just telling you the real deal about work. And then I usually, to the point where, God, maybe it was a little bit entitled, uh, but I usually do sell scripts 
almost every season. And I was like, got an idea. It's going to be great. I worked on it with a showrunner for four months. This guy that's like, he had the same streak as me. He's like, I haven't had a no in five years. I'm like, me neither. We go to every network. They're like, no. We're like, wait, what? Like, I was counting on that script fee. And nothing. I couldn't get a writing job. It was nothing. For 16 months, it was terrifying as I lived on my savings that I was so grateful to have, but it went away. And I thought, oh, what is happening? I was supposed to keep working. I was going to be a house. That was the goal for 44 was buy a house. And now it went away. And I was like, this is so constipated. And I, you know, people were telling me careers have slumps, but I hadn't had one yet. I'd had 10 years of rising, rising, rising. You know, being on Chelsea lately, being on After Lately, writing on both shows, going on the road as my own touring person, touring with the comedians of Chelsea lately, which was a group of us that played really big theaters, touring as Chelsea's opening act sometimes, getting Netflix specials, getting book deals, getting TV writing jobs offered to me, you know? And then something happened at the end of last year where the constipation shook a little bit. And I got this writing job on this one-hour Netflix series. And I was like, okay, we're moving. And then I got some work on the Kids in the Hall reboot. I was like, okay, we're unstuck. And then um, I had some other job offers, but I couldn't do them because I was on these other jobs. And I was like, okay, we're getting there, you know? And I'm then it just, boom, pandemic. And I was like, damn. So now you're only breaking through if you're like super special, you know? And I'm special. I'm great. But... You know, I'm just in that age where it's like, yeah, she's been around. You know, some Hollywood can be kind of a gross business and it's not ageist as it is, but it's not people are like, Jen's in her 40s, gross. If I'd started in my 40s, they'd be like, who's this? This is new. But I've been around. I go to the pitch meetings. They're like, we love you, but they just get sick of seeing your face, you know? And... So the past two years have felt simply constipated. And then the pandemic has happened and it's even more constipation. What was my goddamn point? Oh, being in your 40s. So I got to tell you, the last two years have been a lot of sitting home alone, trying to hustle up work. And it has been not my favorite time to look back on. I will not look back at these last two years and go, man, I was really living. With the exception of getting to go to Amsterdam. Ow! Oh, mother of God, I just hit my toe. Woo-hoo-hoo! Um, with the exception of getting to go to Amsterdam and Oslo last year, it brought back a little bit of the oomph of like travel. At least I have travel. You know, I know people with kids, you feel this way. You have something that gets you out of yourself. And for me, it's being of service in ways that I don't talk about publicly. And travel for me, when I feel like I actually don't sit around obsessing about my career. I'm not competitive. But I sit around going, I'm in a business that's really tough. And I don't like it that much. I'm just kind of more of an artist. Um, I don't know. Everyone seems to be obsessed with this business. I'm so sick of it. And then I go to Amsterdam or I go to Venice and I see a building that was built not even in this century, you know, and I just before there was, I mean, just 
people live to 25 years old. I mean, I'm just, I'm in things built in fucking thousands of years ago. And I just, I feel like, it feels good. It feels right to not, I don't, you know what I'm saying. It just gives you a perspective. Not that I even needed it though. Like I'm aware the world doesn't revolve around me, but Sometimes I get frustrated that other people in my business don't seem aware that none of this matters. And so when I feel that way, I go away. And it and so that's been taken from me. So so I would say I remember last year when I turned 45 saying I didn't like 44 that much. Now 45 is going to be my year. And I just had this feeling. It it wasn't me being negative and I I I declared it. It's going to be my year. And you said this feeling deep down, it still's not going to be. Now, it was a pretty good year. I did some dating of some nice gentlemen and I um, had the jobs. But there was still so much stress. And there's something telling me. I accidentally made this. I didn't mean to do that. That's People do that on TV. That's like some kind of weird Sorry, for the Patreon people. I just put my hands in a weird way. Um, something's telling me, I don't know if it's going to be my year in the sense of like, I get some big job or the pandemic ends and I get to travel. I don't know. But I think it's going to feel a lot better. I just have this feeling. So one thing that I can do to get feeling like normal again. For me, weight ties in a lot with how I physically feel about things. And I was saying to the Patreon subscribers, if you uh, are a subscriber, you get bonus material up front. I was telling them about, I know if you look at me, it looks like I'm not overweight, but I'm overweight for me. So basically, in the last two years, I've gained this 14 pounds back that I had lost and I was my goal weight for a few years in my early 40s. And it wasn't an unrealistic goal weight. I could have lost 10 more pounds and still been within the healthy range for my height. But it was where I felt uh, not bloated. I didn't feel weighed down. And it wasn't hard to get to that goal weight. It was just my life was so exciting and I was running around all the time and I was on a very specific eating schedule for my vocal cords that basically you can just lose weight by stopping eating after five and not eating again until 9 a.m. You know, it's like basically the same tenets as intermittent fasting where you go 16 hours without eating. So I was just doing that naturally because of my vocal stuff and, you know, I had to cut out alcohol completely. So all of that, you'll just lose weight. And then the last two years with the stress, I started soothing with, you know, not necessarily binge eating or overeating, but sometimes, sometimes it's just like, I'm going to eat late at night before bed or I'm going to this. But it was just this lack of care about what I'm putting into my body. This, this just sort of, it's not the kind of weight gain where you go, well, guess I'm in my forties, time to... Things just pack on. It was completely under my control. It was completely behavioral. It was completely choices I was making. And I'm someone that actually, and I hate 
people who talk like this, I don't have, well, you think I'm going to say, I just have a really high metabolism and I never eat. No, I have a very low metabolism. I'm very affected by what I eat. I'm very sensitive. So I don't get hungry that often. I don't actually, I could not eat three meals a day without feeling totally run down and sluggish. I could eat three meals a day because I love eating and I wouldn't get too full to where it's, it's interesting. I don't get too full to where I have to go and can't finish that, but I don't naturally experience a ton of hunger pangs. There's about two times a day when I'm like, it's time to fuel my body. And when I run on that kind of, it's called um, intuitive eating, things work out for me. So when I push past it and just eat because, that's not necessarily overeating, but I wake up and have a big breakfast because it soothes me, but it's, I'm not hungry yet, you know? Anyway, I don't want to get into it. When I talk about this stuff, I feel like it's inviting people to give you advice and I fucking hate unsolicited advice and unsolicited recommendations. It makes me crazy, especially when it's like I'm telling people I'm not in the dark about how I got here. And like, I'm not going to go on and on about nutritionists and things I know because that's boring. It's not goop. This is not Gwyneth Paltrow. This is a comedian talking about the feelings side of eating. And so everyone sit there, take your hat off of how can I give advice? Don't. Just don't. How about don't? Um, so anywho, the last two years, I'm Elvis's colon. I'm just, I'm just feeling sluggish and gross and blech. And it's totally because I was just sitting home fucking writing, trying to produce things, trying to make things happen. And I would soothe with some food. So... One of the things I want to do for age 46 is stop that shit and get back to where I was. And so I kind of allowed myself in July. I started dieting in July and then, and, and a little bit of early August. And then I was like, you know what? You're not ready, Jen. You're not ready actually to lose this weight. And that's fine. So go have at it leaving Las Vegas it, just do whatever. And I didn't, I didn't, wasn't permission to binge. It was just permission to stop dieting. And so I just ate whatever at, you know, and I didn't like how it made me feel. And my reflux came back. I'm clearing my throat a lot. And I just went, yeah, I'm done. But I had to, you know, allow myself, just keep going and just be done with it. So now I'm done with it. And I'm ready to finally lose the weight. The weight that I'm currently at is the weight I was at the first year that I was married when I realized I think I made a mistake and I'm rather unhappy and I'm going to eat restaurant food three meals a day, you know, and I just didn't feel like myself. I'm naturally a very tiny, small person. I'm short and I was very skinny growing up. I'm not saying everyone needs to look this way, there are people my height that are heavier and they're psyched about it. It does, I actually feel bad. Not, not emotionally bad. I don't look good. I feel wrong. I feel like I'm trapped under layers of something. And so this is just very personal for me. I would like to lose the 14 pounds. And 
because right now it's all in these areas that tell me this isn't actually healthy weight gain. It's all just in, you know what I'm saying. Um, so I'm going to do it. And oh, I don't want to talk about this, but I'm going to. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So I was doing the intermittent fasting thing, and it does work. But that I realized, I hate when I realize I'm wrong because, well, no, I actually love it because I learn a lot. So I don't know why I just said that. I think what it is, is I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going on today. I'm a little bit neurotic today and I'm afraid if I admit I was wrong about something and it'll open the floodgates of people giving me unsolicited dieting tips. I don't, what's the problem then? Just ignore it. I don't even want to see it though. It's like I'm tr- I'm in a very controlling mind state. So anyway, I've used Weight Watchers in the past and it's ha- it's helped me. Now you could say, well, they do this point system. Why can't you just count calories? I know. I say the same thing. I've been the past two months, I've been trying to count calories. I use my calorie app tracker. I stay like well under what I need and not in the way that makes you gain more and uh, what happened and doing the intermittent fasting, all the stuff that's worked in the past, what I realized is that stuff worked in the past because my life was different. I was jumping on planes and going to here and going there and, and it was easy to fast. Like when I'm busy and not thinking about it. So I need a different approach during the pandemic. I know this sounds like a Weight Watchers ad, by the way, I'm not getting paid by them, but a good friend of mine started doing it. I was like, wait, if he's doing it, then I'll... so. But, but I used to hate it. I used to like go to the weigh-in place. I felt like I wasn't losing weight fast enough. It was just, I hated it. But it's all new now and like there's an app and you can do this and the point system's different. And I realized if we're talking about losing weight, right? You've got to really arrest those calories. And I was, when I put in like my points for like some of my gummy vitamins that that I have and, you know, a teaspoon of cream and a teaspoon of sugar in my coffee, I've always looked like six points and I only have 16 for the day. So I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it's these, or like I have like a healthy smoothie, but like also a piece of toast. It's like, no, 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 this is weight loss. Like, 
I really need to relook at what I was doing. So I'm kind of excited because it's like it's like a little game I can do here in quarantine um, that I don't know. They trick you with those points. It's unlike counting calories. It's fun. And you get to experiment with different things. And so I'm excited about it. And I have a goal. I can technically get to this goal by Halloween. So the reason I'm talking about it is because I feel it holds me accountable. I have been avoiding talking about trying to lose weight for months. I wanted to tell people publicly so I could get support and cheered on and you can do it. But I was so afraid of unsolicited advice. I'll give everyone some unsolicited advice. Cardio ain't the years that I was the thinnest, no cardio, never cardio. I do a hike. I'm jumping up and down. Just do Pilates. And I think it's also that, like Pilates. I have not been on my machines. I used to do that five times a week. I mean, but I do ballet every day in my home. And But, you know, I just have to keep building muscle because that's what burns the fat. Um, but it really was the food. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But my point is, I feel if I can get back to that weight, I'll start to feel like myself. It won't make my problems go away, but I'll feel like myself, which really helps when I when I feel like myself, I can kind of respect myself. But my birthday, this is all comes back to that. My birthday, what I'm going to do this year is I'm doing like 10 minute FaceTime sessions with close friends one-on-one while I let myself eat whatever I want. So I ordered cupcakes. They're coming. <laughs> and then I have a grocery delivery order coming. And I'm going to make myself like a cheese plate with like fruits and veggies and nuts. I'm going to have it out of my dining room table with the cupcakes and the wine. And I'm just going to pick at it all day while talking to friends like I'm having a little cocktail party. And I, ha- I bought a new dress. I'm going to wear a dress. And I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself. Like, this is exactly what I would do on my birthday anyway. It, the only different thing is people can't come through the door. So I think it'll be cool. It'll throw off. Oh, my God. There's not enough points for what I'm going to eat. But that's okay. I know already that the Weight Watchers is working because I ordered all the food. And then I joined Weight Watchers. And as I was looking at the app and going... I really want to take this seriously. I started like taking different things out of my grocery cart. Like, well, maybe I don't need that on my online grocery thing. So I I have this feeling like I can tell I'm about to take this seriously. We'll see. Is this so boring you could die? Yes. So let's, let's dive into the next part of the podcast. And I have so much more to tell you guys about. Um, letters from college that I wrote that my friend is sending me, uh, my comments on the DNC. It's not that much. Uh, listener emails. But I would like to talk to you about a special part of the show that's dedicated to my Patreon subscribers at the $35 level. So, What you get at the $35 level is like every bonus ever, but you also get a story made up by me about how we know each other, and that's your shout out on this podcast. Now, 
again, I have to say these are made up stories. These people are not my best friends. These people. But a lot of times people get confused. The listeners out there aren't listening and then they clue in and they're like, wait, what is she saying? So this week I want to talk about two people, my two best friends, Jeff Debu and Sophie Smith. Now, Jeff, this is, this is actually interesting. Jeff, I met, you know how I was talking about like, oh, my 40s, they were like good and bad at the same time. Well, Jeff was an example of that. So I'm living in, you know, New York a couple years ago. And I'm singing really loudly in the, in the apartment, the Airbnb I'm staying in. And, you know, maybe I'm a little drunk and I'm a little too loud and I'm trying to do some Amy Winehouse and it's just doesn't sound good. You know, in my head, it sounds good, of course, because I've had some wine and I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's me and Mr. Jones, me and... What kind of fucker is this? You made me with your big baby. Can't believe you made me out like that. You know. And he's banging. And I think he's banging a picture into the wall. And I'm like, hey, shut up. And he's like, you shut up. And we met in the hallway and I go, why are you hanging a picture at 10 at night? And he goes, I'm banging on the wall to get you to shut up. Why are you singing? And I said, well, I just love singing. And I, I don't know. I thought it was New York City. I thought everybody wasn't home. So I'm sorry. And he's like, well, I'm home. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And he goes, you know, listen, I'm a very busy record executive. And I was like, oh, he's like, that's right. And I have to get up early tomorrow to go scout new talent at the mall. And I went, really? What mall is that? And he said, the name of this mall in New Jersey. And I said, okay, and what what are you scouting? Any particular age or style of music? And he was like, nope, as long as it's good. And so I thought, I think I can kind of sing though. So I got all dressed up. In disguise, I put on a wig and glasses and I went, I called in sick to work and I went to this mall audition and Jeff was there with his clipboard, you know, and he was like, I'm here not only to find the next great singer in America, but someone who loves it so much that they can't not sing. Not someone who wants to sing. I want to find someone who has to sing. And I thought, wait a minute. What a fucking hypocrite. Oh, I had to sing at 10 p.m. and he's banging on the door and I don't like this. So I get up there to sing and I can tell he's looking at me weird because it's so obvious I have a wig on and I don't think he thinks it's me, his neighbor. I just think he thinks some weird person with a wig badly put on their head. And I started to sing and he said, cut, I don't think you are feeling it. And I said, you're a bullshit. (laughs) Pardon me. I said, you're, you're full of shit. Last night, I had to sing in that apartment and you knocked on the door and told me to stop and everyone gasped. <gasps> I said, he's not who he says he is. Sure, he's a record producer, but he doesn't care about passion. He only cares about his beauty rest. And everyone was like, boo. And he was like, stop it, stop it. You're all out of control. 
So he was like, no more auditions today. And security cleared me from the room. And so later that night, he knocked on my door and he was like, it took guts what you had to say out there. And I said, well, thank you. And he said, you're a terrible singer. And I said, I, I, I'm not good enough to go pro. I know. And he said, but you changed my mind about something. If I'm going to live in a city full of passionate people, I have to adjust to them. They shouldn't adjust to me. So I'm getting a fully soundproofed apartment and you can go off singing and whoever moves in after you can go off. And so he did. And that thus began three months of construction that I couldn't sleep through every night. But well, we laugh about it now. We laugh about it now, me and Jeff. But yeah, Jeff's great. Jeff Debu, a big record producer. And you know, don't bother him. If you see his name pop up on Patreon, don't be like, oh, can I audition for you, Mr. Deboot? Like, leave the man alone. He lives a very private life. But I'm so glad we're friends. And uh, that's how we met. And now Sophie Smith, she's actually a mom that I met at the audition that way. Isn't it crazy how it's all tied in? So Sophie was there after my, I made my big speech. And she said, you know, my daughter doesn't want to be here today. I just think she's got such a good voice. She sings in the bathtub. And I'm realizing that if I push her into this, she could go crazy and end up like you, you know, some woman in her 40s wearing a wig. And I was like, excuse me, Sophie, I'm not crazy. Just because someone's in a wig, why does that mean crazy? And she's like, well, when you don't need one for any reason, it comes off a little, let's just say eccentric. I go, I'll give you that. But I was in disguise. This was an undercover thing. So there is a reason. And I said, by the way, I'm not insane because my mother pushed me into singing. She never did. I'm just insane. She goes, oh, okay. And I said, but don't, yeah, don't force your daughter into, you know, like, don't do that to a kid. And she was like, well, what do you know? You don't have kids. And I was like, that's true, but I was a kid. And if you make her sing at a mall in front of producer Jeff Deboot and anything goes wrong, that's on your head for the rest of her life. If people laugh at her, if her voice cracks, she doesn't even want to be America's next best singer. And so she's probably going to get rejected just because odds are he's really only going to pick one person and there's thousands here. So now you're just bringing her somewhere to get rejected for a thing that she loved organically doing. She loved singing in the bathtub. Why are you making it more than it is? And Sophie was like, my God, you're right. I'm a terrible mother. And I was like, listen, I wasn't going to say anything, but kind of. I think all you people rush into having kids and you really don't stop and think about it. And what kind of mother am I going to be? Am I going to take my kid to an audition at a New Jersey mall against their will? And she was like, well, what else can we do in this mall? And I was like, let's go to the American Girl store and buy a doll and then make her super punk rock. And she was like, that sounds fun. So we ran to the American Girl store. Now, this is funny. We're looking at dolls. And then I was like, Sophie, where is your daughter? And she's like, oh, my God, I totally forgot. Where is my daughter? And her daughter was missing in the mall. And so, I mean... She was like, talk about being a bad mom. I was like, I told you, you're going to work. So we're running around yelling her daughter's name, which I won't say out of respect to her on the podcast. We found her. Um, she actually was amusing herself in the women's bathroom using the uh, hair dryer, hand dryer. She had flipped it up so that it was making her hair, you know, like a model at a fan 
a photo shoot where there's a fan and she was singing because she just loves those bathroom acoustics, you know? So uh, it was a great day. So yeah, so uh, Sophie, Jeff, we're all friends now. I mean, I miss them. haven't seen them since the pandemic because they're on the East Coast. So anyway, but I thank them for being $35 a month Patreon subscribers. I mean, wow, that's so generous of them, you know? So anyway, let's continue talking. Again, guys, girls, we donated over $1,000 to fund the front lines last month. Um, I wrote the check on August 15th or donated. I didn't actually write a check. I, I used the computer and they, you can put checks in the computer now. It's all a series of numbers. So fund the front lines helps healthcare workers get the PPE that they need. It's a total nonprofit. It's a total nonprofit. And uh, like 99% of the money goes directly to that. Like, so anything you buy in my merchandise store, which is run by tpublic.com, tpublic takes their cut and then I get a percentage and whatever I get that shows up in my bank account, I donate to fund the front lines. So I get paid by the merch company on the 15th of every month and I cycle it right back out. So I'm hoping, I think we'll be up to 1,000 again for September. I have new merchandise. There's a new design called Women Are Literally Humans. I love it. I just bought a bunch of the t-shirts myself and I have the mug. Wait, let me go grab it. I'm going to show you. Hang on, please. stuffy fucking nose okay here we go this is if you're on patreon you can see my women are literally humans mug that's a quote from this podcast that i said years ago i don't remember in what context um and then i got myself this long sleeve shirt this is women are literally humans the sizing is pretty good on the website it runs a little small so usually you can size up a half size but and then uh, oh yeah, I got myself a meditated to me motherfucker t-shirt. And then this is the women are literally humans tank top. So, so there you go. So if you, uh, shop that shit, go to jenkirkman.com, click shop, and then that'll take you to the T public website. Couple extra steps, but it's easier to say jenkirkman.com, click shop than it is to say tpublic.com slash jenkirkman, http five, six, four, two, boop, 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 boop. No, I think it's like tpublic.com, like uh, don't worry about it. Just go to jenkirkman.com. Okay. Uh, and we'll get those donations going. Huh. So my friend, I have this friend, Mike. I'm just going to say like very casual acquaintance. Kid I went to high school with. He was neither punk rock nor a jock. Just one of those like, just a person. We didn't have much in common except we were in the high school musical together. And uh, he's just like a decent person, like loves Huey Lewis in the news. Now he's married with kids. He, I saw him again. He was visiting his sister in Phoenix two years ago when I was there for a gig. And he came to the show. And then we said hello after for a minute. And so now he's been cleaning out some stuff in his attic and he found these letters I wrote him in college, which is so funny because I don't remember us keeping in touch after high school. I don't remember us writing letters. 
It looks like I wrote a lot of these like the first week. And I, my friends and I wrote letters all the time. That's how you kept in touch. There was no texting. There was no email. Sometimes it was hard to call people. I mean, we would call, but there was only landlines. Some people didn't have them. Some people just used the pay phone in their lobby at, at college. Um, and letter writing was fun. It was fun to get mail. Oh my God, don't get me started on the post office, please. So, but he sent me this one. <coughs> and I was shocked by what I read. So I went to college in Boston and I'd been to the city before. But I guess I'd never stayed overnight in a city. And I grew up in a very quiet suburb on a golf course, you know. So I wrote to Mike, my room is huge. By the way, I had two roommates, two strangers. We lived in a room together. I mean, the room was not huge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looking back, I'm like, what? And, you know, you share a bathroom in the hallway. Like, what? I just can't even fathom that I lived in a room with people. And if I wanted to wash my hands, I had to walk down the hall to a public air. Like what? And eat in a cafeteria. How did I? God, teenagers really don't. I guess you're just so fucking excited to get out of your parents' house that you're like, yes, this is great accommodations. My room is huge. It is, and look how grateful I am. So at least I'm not one of those pricks. Like, oh my God, this Lori Laughlin. So Lori Laughlin, you may know her from Full House, Fuller House, and all those Hallmark Christmas movies. She tried to get her daughter, Olivia Jade, into college illegally, you know, paying bribes and saying she's on the rowing team. And... You know, she just got her sentence. She's going to do two months in prison, which everyone's like, that's a slap on the wrist. And I'm like, but listen, it'll affect her. her it is not her. Everything is done for her. You know, I think her career is over. I don't know. I might, I might be wrong. But when your career is with the Hallmark Network and they're kind of this like goody two shoes thing, like I don't know if they're taking you back. But what's interesting is her sentence starts in November and it's two months. So she's basically sentenced to the entire holiday season in prison and I'm sure her movies will be rerunning on Hallmark and isn't that ironic so anyway but I'm assuming her daughter they were saying Olivia Jade she knew about it but like she didn't even want to go to college she was already making millions as a Sephora spokesgirl and like YouTube influencer and she lived in a mansion and she was probably like can you see a girl like that being like oh I'll go live in a room with two strangers no fucking way Anyway, my room is huge, my letter to my friend. It has three big, big windows and looks directly out over the river and city. And I am in the city and so happy. I'm so glad I was happy. All night, all you hear is sirens and yelling and cabs beeping, but it's so cool and easy to get used to. I don't remember not transitioning seamlessly into that. I mean, it sounds like it was pretty seamless, but I don't remember even the first time I noticed, oh my God, it's noisy when I'm trying to sleep. I have no memory of that. And that's why I wish I'd kept a diary and I'm so grateful that anyone has kept anything I've ever written because I'm fascinated with that. Um, 
So then I write, I went into this building the other day because it said free personality test inside. So figuring I'd get super cool results, I went in. I took a 200 question test and afterwards was told I was critical, unstable, moody, depressed. (laughs) Well, that is true. Um, It was a Dianetic Scientology Center. You know, L. Ron Hubbard. What a joke. These people cornered me for an hour and drilled me about my life, trying to discover hidden problems and trying to get me to buy Dianetics. I left, but it was pretty scary, so don't ever do it. That is a funny story. I've told it on the podcast before, but I'm so glad. Like, I don't know why I knew about Scientology being a cult, but I did. I think my family was very concerned with cults. Don't join one. Don't start one. No cults. Blah, blah. I don't want no cults. Cult is a place that you can't get out of there. Okay. So I was just like, no, but I'll tell that story another time. But guys, keep a diary. Start keeping a diary now because you think you're always going to feel the same way and remember things and you won't. So here's my political corner for the week. I watched some of the Democratic National Committee convention. My hot take is I like a convention that's done virtual online for any party. I think it looks less stuffy. You know, like when you when you have something in a convention hall, it just feels old fashioned or outdated or even just too. I don't mean corporate in the like corporations of the one percent. I don't mean that. I mean, like there's nothing worse than walking into like a banquet hall that's kind of depressing or going to like a work thing. It feels like that. It feels like I'm at my work event. And sometimes people, you know, people making speeches and the screaming, the booing or the cheering. Let me put it to you this way. Whatever party you're in. Let's say your party has a convention and politicians are speaking. I should be president because of this. And everyone's, yeah, you could. I'm just devil's advocate. You could be like, look at all those people cheering. Oh, plenty of people will vote. I don't need to. You know, that. I don't know. That could happen. Like, I just don't think we need the audience reaction. And I loved not having the booing and the cheering because those sounds, every once in a while, it's uplifting. But I don't know. I didn't need it. And I I did like the feeling that people were talking directly to me. And even the musical, like that Billy Porter performance, I don't know what the fuck that was. I mean, he was great, but I'm just saying the videography of it, it looked like, is this from the future? Is this from the past? This is completely mental. It was bizarre to see on TV. It was taking me back to like the 70s and 80s and just every once in a while, there'd be a sketch on Sesame Street where you were like, is everyone on acid? It was great. You know? And I like hearing someone just give me a talk and you don't have to write a speech. Like when you're a politician, you have to write a speech for the applause. You know, you have to write to those moments, almost like a comedian writing jokes. It's honestly what they were doing was the podcast version of their stand-up act, right? So so that's what it is. Is I, I think podcast and Patreon subscribers get this. We like the intimacy and some people, I bet, don't actually like going to live comedy because they don't want the reactions of other people. That's how I feel about going to movies. I love seeing something on a big screen, but I don't want to hear other people's noises or their laughter or their... I, it, 
sometimes it can be really cool. Like when there's a moment in a movie and someone kicks ass and everyone claps. I just, it hasn't happened since the 80s, you know. So I kind of liked the convention. I didn't even want to watch it because it's just too stressful. Like I don't, I, just, I get stressed. And then there's these little moments that you don't have that could actually serve your party better. So I remember, all I can remember from the Democratic National Committee convention when Hillary was running was they dropped these balloons and Bill Clinton starts playing with them and he looks like a fucking idiot. He's like, oh my God. And she's doing the same face. And I'm like, cut the, cut away, cut away, cut away. Stop showing that, stop showing that. <laughs> it was like that kind of shit. When you're live on camera and balloons are being released and you have to look like you're having fun, you're playing to the live audience. When you play to a live audience, what the camera captures is sometimes it's, I'm telling you, you have so much more control when you don't play to a live audience. It's like when Howard Dean went, and we're going to Philly and we're going here. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe that destroyed his career. That was so stupid. But he couldn't hear himself in the feed and people were screaming. He didn't know his voice broke and he didn't know that he even yelled yeehaw. It, it, it was like something that no one in the room heard, but it picked up on like the camera audio. It would have sounded normal if you were there. Again, I never even thought it sounded weird. He just went, Yeah. <laughs> But it's shit like that. Like, I don't know, man. I I liked it. I think everyone should protect themselves. And from now on, every convention should be done this way. Because, I don't know, it, the crowd, crowd ruins it for me. So that's my hot political take. But it really reminded me of stand-up versus... Patreon. And listen, stand-up is stand-up. I, I need the live crowd. I want to do stand-up for live crowds. But when I want to make points, I kind of don't want them there. And that's what Patreon's for. So everyone loved my story about my dad, the greenskeeper. And, and uh, my sister was cracking up because that did get released to the public. And she was like, what? <laughs> She's like, I didn't even know half this stuff. So... You know, my dad's, I say it in my stand-up act, so I guess I can say it. My dad's, uh, I don't know if he would say it out loud, but he's a, he likes Trump. I don't know if he does anymore. I don't, I don't know what moves my dad anymore to like or dislike any politician. But this one woman emailed me and said, here, this is my listener emails. Ah, sorry. Hi, Jen. I've been meaning to write you about this. Does your Trumpist dad know that Trump drives his cart on the greens? I'm reminded to write while listening to your dad's fabulously cool and entertaining account of his greenskeeping history. Anyway, I've seen video of that prick driving his vehicle on the greens. How could any greenskeeper countenance this? Sure, Trump owns the joint, but still... How could your dad vote for him? I don't play golf myself or even care about it, but even I am appalled at that asshole's disrespect of the hard and meticulous work of others. 
I don't know if your dad was aware of this utter trash behavior. Could you tell and show him? <laughs> Could I tell an 80-year-old man who hit his head years ago, who sometimes dis displays signs of dementia, anything about Trump that's going to make him turn away? No, <laughs> I cannot. I don't even know if Joe Biden golfs. I hope not. Oh, they all fucking golf. But I'd bet, I'd bet he'd never think of doing such disgusting bullshit. Shouldn't this be a deal breaker for your dad? Nothing is. Cheers from a longtime fan. I wrote back Susan privately. I was like, look, my dad and I don't talk politics. It's a rule we have. And he has been very respectful of it with me. I don't look at his stuff online. If he says anything to me politically, I say, nope, I'll disown you. And I told you that. I told you that. So he really doesn't. Every once in a while I get a weird email, but I know it comes from a place of fear where he's like, Jen, be careful of Antifa. They're, don't go outside right now. Like, <laughs> there's no Antifa. And I'm not going outside. But, um, but he believes in the uh, pandemic and wears his mask and, you know, he's like, you got to get your exercise, keep up the immune system, you know. He's big on that with me. He's always checking in about my immune system. So I did read this. I said, can I say something political? And then you are not allowed to respond politically, but it's just a funny story about golf. And he goes, oh, I don't even follow politics anymore. Such a lie. My parents just lie to me. So I said, well, my dad I said, uh, do you know Trump drove the golf cart on the greens? And he just burst out laughing. It was that kind of laugh that was like, he knows, he knows he laughs at the guy. It was also the kind of laugh that was like, I don't care. <laughs> so it, it didn't move. He goes, well, he owns a place. He can do it. That's not the point. I think it's even worse if you own the place. Anyway. Oh, so political today. <laughs> um, anyway, I, there's more. I'll read. I'll read these another show. Oh, so then this girl wrote to me. She DM'd me on Instagram, and she said, um, "She's from Vermont. She went to college in Massachusetts." And she had a summer job at the country club that my dad worked at. Uh, no, she had a job at a different country club. She worked as the snack cart girl. And she used to play basketball, blah, blah. She said, hearing you talk about all these locations is oddly comforting right now because I'm so far away and I can't go home and travel and visit. I can't believe your dad remembers all of those dates and events. I barely remember what I did this weekend. So I forwarded that to my dad. And said, Dad, I just got this from someone who listened to my podcast about your life story. And he wrote, Hi, Jen. Where does this girl live now? What part of Vermont was she from? Oak Hill is a great golf course. She must have made a lot of tips being the snack girl. <laughs> like my dad wants. I go, well, I'm sure she's nice. But I don't keep writing back and forth with people because I just don't have time. And, and, I, and, and when I have written back and forth with some people, not this girl, obviously, but they, they, they get too into it and then they write and then they get mad if I don't write back. The, the boundaries have to to be kept and he goes don't you that's not nice you got to write her back you're not being nice 
And I'm like, oh, forget it. Dad, <laughs> who cares? Like, just, she liked your story. And he's like, well, I just want to know where she's from. I'm like, oh my God, my dad could never be famous. I'm not saying I'm famous, but you know what I mean? He could never have fans. He would be all day long just writing with all of you. <laughs> he's like, I can't. Oh, so Michelle, if you're listening, I bet you did not make a lot of tips as the snack cart girl because, well, I don't know. I don't know when you did it. Was it when cash was still a thing? Because I bet now nobody has cash and they just give you their card and they don't tip on it. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me know about those tips, girl. Um, okay, I think that's it for listener emails. I just got one. This is a little self-serving, but this woman emailed me, and it's not for the podcast. I don't even think she knows I have a podcast, but I won't say her name, but she took one of my relaxation classes, and she said, um, she said, thanks for offering this. Oh, do I even have it up? No, of course I don't. I don't remember where it is, but she just basically said that her son has anxiety. He's 13 and they took my relaxation class together. And then he's on his way to see a counselor or psychiatrist. And they used some of my techniques. Not, I mean, they're not mine, but to help calm him down. And, and she was like, this is so great. And it made me feel so good because I mean, I joked about it in the Patreon subscriber story, but my whole life not having kids I've been so condescended to by moms and told that I don't relate to anything because I don't have kids and I don't know what unconditional love is because I don't have kids and I don't know what kids need because I don't have kids and I don't know what it's like to and it's like I have all this empathy like that's part of why I'm doing these relaxation classes is I remember what it was like to be a kid with anxiety and I couldn't tell anyone I couldn't even tell my parents because I didn't know what it was and that pain and that confusion, I, there, it is so easy to find out information about anxiety. There is so much help out there that it can be overwhelming. And I just want to help guide people on their own paths because I don't see anyone else fucking doing it. And so I'll do it. I'll step in. The comedian will step in where the system can't right now. And then I'll send you to the parts of the system that can help you. And we go, and off you go. That's it, you know. I'm not trying to be your permanent guru or your therapist. But it comes from knowing what it was like to be a fucking kid. And it makes me sad to think that any kids today who like, I don't feel sad about my past. I just go, oh, that sucked. I'm fine. I had a fucking, like, I also had a, so much fun too. I would go back, like I would relive all that. But I know it's different to be a kid these days. And there is so much to be worried about. But again, none of this has to be an excuse to do it with anxiety. We don't have to hold on to the anxiety. And I think a lot of people hold on to anxiety because they think, it's it's kind of giving the state of the world its proper respect. And it's like, no, no, no. Anxiety is different. Anxiety is not concern. Anxiety is not 
reasons. Like, no, but I have anxiety because I lost my job and I lost my house and my kid fell down. Those are all reasons to be confused, concerned, sad, broke. But they're not reasons to keep anxiety. Sure, we can get anxiety for any millions of reasons. But if we insist we can't be helped, we're choosing to keep it. And uh, I think a lot of people feel kind of victimized. Like, I don't want to work on it. I had enough to do. Well, you got to, you know. So there's a lot of like tough love in anxiety as well in anxiety work. And I, I don't go there really in my classes because... I don't think people are paying to hear that. I, I put more stuff like that in my free newsletter. But anyway, it just was, so, so my point is, I just feel bad for kids because they kind of don't know where to turn. And I think a lot of parents can take it personally. My kid has anxiety. Did I do something wrong? And that's like the first thing any counselor would tell you, this is not about you. And it's your kid's thing, not yours. But at the same time, if we normalize it for kids and you do relaxate progressive muscle relaxation with your kids and like lay on the floor and kind of make it a thing and like every night, like you don't even have to mention. I mean, of course, honor their anxiety and don't ignore it and talk about it and take them to therapy. But doing exercises to ease anxiety is what everyone should be doing every day anyway because it helps prevent anxiety and it helps us walk through the world. And so if you just did like 15 minutes of progressive progressive muscle relaxation with your kids at night, like let's all lay on the floor and you listen to a guided thing where you relax, you tense and relax your muscles, like that could just be like a fun thing to do. Like self-care Sunday, put on a mask and go do that, you know? It can just be fun and you can, it doesn't have to be my kid has anxiety and I'm parenting them and it just makes them feel even more other and weird and like something's wrong and something bad's happening. And I just love that she did this with her kid and let the comedian help. I mean, it it makes me want to cry because I just, I've never thought I was someone without empathy. And I, I do care about kids a lot. And I always hated being told that I don't know because I'm not a mom. Like just the fact that the moms themselves don't think, what qualifies them to be a mom is that they were a kid once. You know, if you're that disconnected from it, then maybe you're a shit mom. Don't tell child free people like just fuck off. And so I love this mom who wrote me and didn't know I was going to discuss it on the podcast, but I didn't say her name. <sighs> Why do I got to end all upset? I'm not really upset. Anyway, until next week, have fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.